The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the ninth and 10th chapters. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 9, verse 35, through chapter 10, verse 8 through 20. And it can be found on page 1510 of your pew Bible. Matthew 9, starting with the 35th verse. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. And if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. And if it is not that is deserving, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off of your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves, and therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me right now? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. We uh, enter into the long season of green 
and sometimes it's been called green meadows. This occurs in the church year uh, after this last Sunday, which was Trinity Sunday. Green is the color that symbolizes growth, and you will notice from this day forward that the proclamations as dictated by our lectionary uh, the readings that we are assigned, they will emphasize a faith, a faith that is living, a faith that is growing, a faith that is given through grace. Now, surely we recognize Christ, that he causes us to grow, that through his Holy Spirit, that we are given ears to hear and eyes to see. So let us hear now. Let us see how his word and his will is woven throughout the fabric we'll speak of today, the fabric of baptism and koinonia, the gift of fellowship together as Christians given by God himself. In the beginning of our human story, there was koinonia. That is life together. And it was not good for Adam and well for Adam to be alone. We read that in Genesis 2 verse 18. And neither Adam nor Eve was humanity by themselves. Adam and Eve, they shared holy life together, and they had koinonia with the Almighty, the Almighty who walked with them. That song, and he walks with me and he talks with me, right? That's koinonia. He walked with them in the garden. And it was good. It was really good. Abba said that. Until chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. Sin entered the world through one man. We know the story. That's the part where upon the serpent asked about the rules. Did God really say that? He injected doubt, and the two of them disobeyed. And they tried to cover up their sins with leaves, and leaves shrivel up, and you're exposed again, your sin. And they tried to cover themselves up with lies that disappoint and really don't cover anything. How like us. Genesis 3.8 said, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. They said, Because I was afraid. Koinonia was ended right there. But God was not satisfied he didn't say, that's it. I'm out of here. 
Because we know when someone is truly cut off, the only way to reach out to him or her is to go to them. And God does not wait for us to climb up to him. It's impossible. It doesn't work. It could never happen. God, in his mercy, he comes to us. Just as it says in Romans 5, 6, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Further, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God, he demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 7, and 8. While we were still sinners, he died for us. Who does that? Our Father in heaven does. I don't know about you, but when I see a heart, you know, the red heart, um, the first thing that I think of, thank you, Hallmark, is um, love. I think also that we talk about love a lot, don't we? And, and, and sometimes we don't use that word off the right way. We, we say things such as, oh, I love ice cream, and, and, I, and I do. And I love to play baseball, but not as much as I love to watch it now. Huh? Can I get an amen from the back of the church there? All right. We say to our parents and our special friends, our children, maybe even our pets, I love you. And we mean it. Now, a group of professionals, and it's always professionals, I'd like to have a job like this one because it sounds like fun, but a group of professionals ask some children from age four to eight, what does love mean? And here are some of the answers that the children gave to them. They never disappoint. I'm sure you've heard them before, but they are sweet. One little girl, Carrie, age five, said, love is when... A girl puts on perfume, and a boy puts on shaving cologne, and they go out and they smell each other. That's love. Love, this is from Chrissy, age six. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. I apparently don't love. <laughs> love is when you tell a guy that you like his shirt and he wears it every day. Noel, age seven. Love. Love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. That comes from Elaine, age five. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. Marianne, age four. Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. That's love. If I were to ask you to tell me what love is, what would your answer be? 
I think if we really want to know what love is, the best place to find the answer is in the Holy Bible. And God not only told us what love is, he, he showed us. Amen? The Bible says God showed how much he loved us by sending Jesus to die for us, even though we were sinful. Wow. Even though we were sinful. And that is real love. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, even though we did not deserve it. Aren't you glad that he loves us so much that we don't get what we deserve? You know, the list that the answers uh, that the children gave to the question, here's one more. God, he could have said words to make the nails fall off the cross. He didn't do that. You've heard me say it wasn't nails that held Jesus to that cross. It was his love for you and for me, whosoever would believe. I think that shows love, and I know you do too. We should say, dear Father, we thank you for loving us. We, we know that we don't deserve it, and we ask you, Father, to help us to love others in the same way that you love us. Back to baptism. What about baptism? Remember it every day. Through baptism, we were enjoined with Christ in a death like his, koinonia, fellowship. In baptism, we step into the water as isolated individuals. We rise, reborn, into God's family placed by God into a life forever. The old Adam, the individual, you and me, we go down into the water where we are dying a death like his. We are raised out of the water in a, in a resurrection like his to be with a cloud of witnesses. We are put into the family at that moment. Amen? Christ Jesus redeemed us and he reconciles us with the Father and his reconciliation forges horizontal relationships. Horizontal with the Lord. And that is the reason why we baptize in the presence of saints whenever possible. Don't you love it when we have a baptism here? Boy. Bonnie, I look at you and I think a little Ella. I mean, that, it, it just wasn't that joy to see your granddaughter baptized all of you that have seen your children and your children's children baptized, even if they become the family in this family here, a member of this church. Isn't that pure joy? The whole family wants to be involved in that. It's a family in Christ. I want to read to you uh, an, a baptism account from uh, the Reverend Dr. Steve Mueller, he is a professor at Concordia University in Irvine, just down the road from us. He's an author, and he is one of the sources that I am using today. He tells the story of a Muslim graduate student at Concordia University. Who would have thought? 
a Muslim graduate student at Concordia University. And she came to faith in Christ through her business professor. Now, it's a great school down there. It's not just theology and professors, you know, learning to be pastors and the such. It's a great school. So this gal is witnessed too, by her business professor. She was baptized not privately, which is astounding if you know the slightest bit about Islam, because in her baptism and her confession as Christ as Lord and Savior, that's a death sentence for her in the eyes of Islam. She was baptized not privately, but in the community that shared Jesus with her. What followed was the ripple effect of the waters. God used her baptism to open doors, and several other students were baptized not long afterward. Her baptism, Dr. Mueller reports, became part of the witness that led even more people to a life together, to a life of koinonia, baptism. In practice, this life together, we know, is not free from sin and human influences or struggles over persons or personalities or ethnicities or languages, places, and traditions. Our baptism, our life of koinonia is just like a family life. There are some hitches in the giddy-up, and there are some problems, is there not? Even the early church was not immune. But in Acts 2.42, we read that the members, what they did to live their baptism in life together, that is this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. So maybe you're asking yourself, and I am out loud right now, what happened? Perhaps this doesn't sound like our life together today. And like those early saints, we have received God's gift of baptism into Christ, which is not merely a personal relationship, but we are baptized into the body of Christ. We are baptized into the church. And like those early saints, just like those early saints, just like Adam and Eve, we are plagued by sin. And with an old Adam, that old Adam needs needs to be drowned daily, remembering your baptism. You weren't baptized. You are baptized daily. We drown that Adam. We would be a lot better off in the church if we remembered it is not a social club, but church is a family. And just like a family, We don't get to choose God's children for him. He does that. And he calls us into relationships with each other. 
You can't pick your own family, can you? We are going to spend eternity together. This is a practice run. And he calls us to recognize that now and to begin enjoying relationships. He gives to us these relationships. That is life together in our congregations, life together in our district, life together with our confessional partners around the world. He has given us Victory Outreach. He has given us a family, a church family in the faith to be in koinonia together with. Now, in the season of growth of green meadows, in the season of life, we know that growth is painful. And I want to talk to you about growing pains. I would have brought a string of pearls in this morning, but I don't have one. They're Tracy's, and they're in the safe, and I didn't bring them. But you know what a pearl looks like, and you know where pearls come from, right? Not the jewelry store, but oysters. And we know that an oyster is a shellfish that lives in the ocean, and they have a very, very hard shell and sometimes a grain of sand, something like that, will come inside their shell, and it'll get in and amongst their flesh, and it causes a lot of pain and discomfort, and it's irritating. And so the oyster is not a happy oyster, But our Father who art in heaven has given the oyster a way to ease the pain. You see, that grain of sand that gets in there, the oyster, ooh, this is a gross word right now, but the oyster oozes out a liquid that coats the grain of sand, and then it hardens. And the oyster keeps oozing, and the ooze keeps hardening over and over again until the pain goes away. And it's minimized. And what's left is a beautiful pearl that people put a value on and will go and buy several of them and string them along and wear them. Oyster ooze. My point is not the, that it's potentially kind of gross, but um, the point is, is that something that started out painful In God's engineering plan, it turns out to be something beautiful and maybe even something valuable. And now the same thing can happen to us. That is, sometimes something comes into our life that causes a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And when it happens, God gives us something to help ease the pain. God gives us his love. And if we ask him to, he will, he will ooze out his love to ease our pain and suffering. And often we find, as we look in the rearview mirror of our lives, God has given us that blessing. What started out to be very painful in our life can turn into something beautiful. And 
we thank the Lord that we have pain and hurts in our life because he took that opportunity for us to lean on him as he oozed out his love and his provision and his healing and turned it into something beautiful. Unfortunately, that takes time. We spoke about that yesterday, Ken. We were talking about how things are happening now and what they look like. For those that have been around for a while, we have seen patterns. Even our parents and grandparents that survived world wars and calamities like the Great Depression, they have seen that, but they've also seen better days coming. And so we must be a witness in that as well and reassurance and encouragement to the people that haven't been through that where we say it's okay. It hurts now. But we know the one who gave us all his very best out of love for you and for me to make it all better. Back to koinonia. Finally, we have eternal koinonia together. We are assured of that in Revelation 7, 9 through 10. It says, God strengthens us all in witness, mercy, life together that on this earth we may more and more look like our future, united in confession and praise with our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus as we reach out to the world in mercy and witness. That's what we're called to be. We're not called to ape, as I said last week, what is on the news we're not called to swap out and trade uh, just mean, insulting memes on Facebook or anywhere else. We are called to be different. We are called to encourage. We are called to koinonia, fellowship, friendship. You know, for now, we have glimpses of the future, a future to come, a, a beautiful future. No more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain. We have a glimpse of that this morning. We are going to come together at the table for the sacrament of the altar, which is a foretaste of the feast to come. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm getting close to being done. It's okay. We have a promise of the future in the world that be, in the word, excuse me, that became incarnate. Jesus, as death came to the world through one man, Adam, so everlasting life came to the world, comes to the world, comes to you and to me in Jesus, who was him crucified for us. We have a deposit given to us for the future in our baptism, the Holy Spirit, God who dwells in us. This is a good time. This is a good time to be in Koinonia. This is a good time to be the church to a world that needs to know, that needs to hear the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.